The Edifice Complex podcast is brought to you by DCM, the drawing specialists, Blue Rhythm Commissioning Software, and Sensor Suite, the future of intelligent buildings. Welcome to the Edifice Complex, the property design and development podcast. Let your hosts, Adam Muggleton and Robert Bean, keep you up with who is innovating and doing great work, perspective on the adjacent possible, and challenges to the status quo. I'm Robert Bean. Welcome to the Edifus Complex. We're actually on the spot right now because we've had a whole bunch of stuff going, but we have a great guest today. I am here with my co-host, Adam Buggleton. Say hello, sir, Yoda. Hello, Yoda. So our guest today, so as you can see, Robert's background is quite a little bit different. Robert's out in the field. Don't know what field he is, but hopefully there's no cows. So he's out in the field. We're still going ahead because we've got an important guest today and we did not want to reschedule her. So we've got Tracy Jumper here today. Now, Tracy, I have been aware of for quite a while now. I've been stalking her like a crazy ex-boyfriend on LinkedIn. Um, Tracy's a certified commissioning professional. She holds a Bachelor of Architectural Engineering degree from Penn State. Shout out to Bill Blunoff. Blunt, Blunt. Yeah, Bill, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, great program, great professor. Yeah. Tracy also serves on ASHRAE Committee TC 7.9 Commissioning. And she's been specifically involved, and what she's on here to talk about today, is the new ASHRAE Guide on Recommissioning of Existing Buildings. So we're going to talk to her about that. But there's more. It's like the Shamwell. There's more. Right? She's also been featured in USA Today, CSE's Mag's Top 40 Under 40. And she was recently named a Top 20 Woman to Watch in HVAC by Engineers Systems Magazine. Now, there's a lot to live up to there, Tracy. Yeah. yeah. The pressure is high. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let us down, Tracy. We already kicked this off so smoothly. <laughs> so... Tracy, I'll ask a question. So tell us your origin story. How did you arrive in front of us two mad idiots? <laughs> Besides the LinkedIn connection, shout out LinkedIn, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, many, so many new friends because of that platform. We <laughs> sponsored by LinkedIn. Oh man, origin story. I I well, I grew up, I was <laughs> you mentioned Spider-Man and Peter Parker. <laughs> And so I was a science nerd growing up. Super poor, but didn't know it. I had a lot of resources. So I just used to like hang out after school doing science stuff. And actually to the point of like built a club around some biological stuff that was going on in little old Scranton, Pennsylvania with the river and the health of the river and mine drainage. And so I had like out of the starting gate, I had like a planetary issue at my disposal Unlimited science resources kind of got into just investigation, troubleshooting that way. My spider bite moment, though, didn't come so <laughs> <laughs> much later on. And you had it, it's so hard to think about this stuff. Like, you know, yeah, you think of when, like, when did things change? How did I get pegged with existing building commissioning? Because that's what I'm known for now. <laughs> <And you're> like, <laughs> I could do anything at this point. What would I do? And how did I get pegged with this like very specific thing in existing buildings of all things? I joke that half the projects we go into to to start fixing, you gotta go home and take a Benadryl, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not easy and we need we need so much focus there. Like it's unlimited work, right? So my bite scenario was I was talking at a central Pennsylvania ASHRAE chapter meeting about existing buildings and got a call not too long after. And I was only, I was doing new building construction, like doing new building commissioning. Boring, whatever. Uh, (laughs) And got a call from a new friend or new would-be friend, Hershey. And they said, we have this issue with one of our buildings. And you talked about how existing commissioning is a lot besides energy. There's a lot of maintenance things that we go through in buildings. There's just upkeep that we don't have the resources for. So he's like, can you come out and, and check out this issue we're having? It has to do with a smell. So you go out there and it's like, this is not some like chump facilities crew. This is like baller. Like you're intimidated as soon as you walk in the room. <laughs> they had brought me on as their expert to investigate this odor. And now like, you know, this is 
kind of a teaching moment that I use in all my classes now, but we have issues in buildings that are performance related, energy related, and sometimes it's like these weird things, right? We joke that you can commission paint <laughs> if you want <laughs> to. <laughs> right. But so it was like five-star five-star facility, a uh, big convention center. It was a super awesome facilities team and they brought me in as their expert. And that was like the start of the end for existing buildings. We fixed things right up, got in at the right time. But then from there, it was like, oh, can you check this out? Check that out. And as soon as an issue came up, it was just called on for the expertise. So, and tried to get out of it at some point, do, go do some ESCO work <laughs> That turned out to be really not good. I call my ESCO sabbatical, but... <laughs> That's the nicest description <laughs> I've ever heard. So, Everybody needs to have one of those. <laughs> you kind of get sick of things at some point and you do get pegged with this expertise and you're like, wow, why am I doing this? You know, because mm. it gets, things get exhausting, but you get drawn back. And so that was, yeah, long story short, spider bite. Just checking out a simple issue that had complex repercussions and, and a complex solution to it. And that was it. And then was there SME after that? And we fixed a lot of things. And I mean, great. Kind of sucks talking to you about clients that have issues, but the smart ones bring you in and you fix stuff, right? And, and how many things do we have out there that don't get fixed? Yeah. Well, like you said, there's... There's no shortage. I mean, in the commissioning world, it's a full-time career forever. There will never be yeah. a shortage of demand for people that need to come in and look at buildings. Adam, we've talked about this before, the multidisciplinary aspect of it. You have to have knowledge of the building sciences and you have electrical and mechanical and architectural and interior. And those people that develop those integrated studies early on, they make great commissioning people. Commissioning people are systems thinkers, right? Because they're building yep. systems. Whilst you need maybe to be a specialist like a mechanical engineer, you still got to understand how the other systems interplay with that, the other disciplines interplay. You cannot be a silo person and be a commissioning person. That is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, jack of all trades, master of none, right? That's yeah, kind of yeah. our gig. Yeah. <laughs> you guys totally. were talking about that last episode. And we, so my background is very, like meant to be like broad study like that. So there are some weirdos like us out there. That <laughs> you know, the program you did at Penn State, the reason I, I admire that and I admire Bill is that presupposes a building as a system of systems. You're looking at the architectural systems and the mechanical systems, right? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not just going, okay, you're a mechanical engineer. Do that calculus right now. You know, it's more it's very quiet. Vitruvian. Yeah. You heard of Vitruvius? Vitruvius, yes. <laughs> are, you, are you joking? <laughs> yeah, no, he's right behind me. Going very me. well. I had a beer with him last week. <laughs> I take I take him wherever I go. <laughs> well, but you're right. Like when I think about the history of even in environmental studies, right? And yeah. he talked about how back then what he was talking about in terms of why people were getting sick, and you know people were blaming it on the gods, right? Well, he was he was basically no, like <laughs> wake up, man. You're it's like the filth that you're living in and what you're eating and what you're drinking and they almost killed him for it right but he understood all of that stuff from all that yeah. ancient architecture and people and, and the and 10 just, books the 10 books yeah. on architecture had 10 areas of study that if you were going to build an architect the building and an engineer which they didn't call it there was no such thing as engineering yet you were an architect right so yeah. 10 areas of study that you and there were things like law and medicine and all these subjects that you had to be to be a good architect and be a good builder you had to be an expert yeah. in all these things you had to understand the process and, yeah. and the background of what was going on in the building and with the people and that's so important now too like, like we do existing buildings the one main difference is it's a living, breathing animal. You have people in it. So yeah. <laughs> using it, we'll abuse it, we'll break it, <laughs> everything. Isn't this the origin yeah. of the it, word charrette? Wasn't it a charrette like this trolley, uh, I like a master architect would carry with all their tools and notes and things? I think that's some French, Lebanese French guy told me that because I used the word charrette. I pronounced it mm -hmm. like an Englishman, which is obviously wrong. And I was corrected. And then he gave me the whole backstory of it. It's fascinating. But I can't oh, remember. cool. Yeah. Hey, so Tracy, a sidebar question. So is it easier for an architect to become an engineer or an engineer to become an architect? <laughs> you're, asking, <laughs> you're asking somebody who identifies more as an engineer but has these architectural tendencies. So <laughs> if you got to be an architectural studio mentor as an 
architectural engineering student, you were like, that was pretty posh. Like that was the elite because then you could, you could flex, you could be this engineering student, <laughs> also flex your creativity, right? So it's like, ah, I can do graphic arts. I got like, I got bots on the head by my architecture <laughs> professor and said, you, you are not crap. You can hang out with our architecture student. <laughs> a Venn diagram, like architect, which is creative. So in my view, like buildings are actually sculptures, right? They're art forms. Mm-hmm. And then there's engineering. And in the Venn diagram crossover, there's the architectural technician. Is that the half baby of both of them? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was built that way to kind of walk the line. So I'm kind of biased yeah. there. I like, think I could pull off architecture, but it's not, it's not, not as easy as it looks. <laughs> no, it isn't. And, you know, and we can't forget interior designers not decorators yeah. but designers and i i'm a defender of their cause because when i think about the role they play yeah. like a proper interior designer you have four year degree four years of art clean they have the same ethical practice requirements as engineers and architects do and when i think about their ability to understand structure electrical mechanical and organizing all of that including everything from to fire escape paths right yep and you're talking about density in offices and how those have to be laid out to make sure that you're not... I mean, that field of study, again, sidebar, we shouldn't ignore them. I think they're a big part of that Venn diagram. So we architects and engineers. We shouldn't ignore them. Yeah. We're, we're already segregating them in conversation. Them. Those, <laughs> you know, those people. Oh, my God. Thanks, Tracy. Now I know for they, sure my okay, email. So, so when, I, when I started out, one of the projects I picked up as in new construction commissioning, when I had my super mentor left me, <laughs> said, you're ready to lead now. Go. Fly away. I walked into one they of these. It was, out of the net. <laughs> it was fly. <laughs> Land head first. <laughs> Smack. Oh, so it was one of these like architectural, like construction project meetings I had like 15 years ago now, but had everybody in it, architect, engineer, all the construction managers of the whole thing, the interior designers, and they would be very adversarial. And coming from Penn State, I was happy-go-lucky, Vitruvian, let's all work together, harmony, you know, plus it's still very green. So I didn't know, I'm like, everybody works together. I've seen these videos of these documentaries about, you know, and so they would immediately, the jokes, like the zingers would go, go, go. And I came from both sides or I felt like it. So I'm like, I can do these zingers all day long. And, and the best thing was to just like stop and focus jokes on anything else, you know, the project itself. And it really like, er, like really turned things around like 180. So, oh. I just did that here. <laughs> Brought things to a halt. No, because things are smoother. It's not. It's not even adversarial. Because the architects, whether we like it or not, leads our processes, locks in our fees. So there's another podcast that we can do. All right. I have a yeah. So it's just go down that rabbit hole. So very love architects. We we love all of our. Yeah, in, in some parts of the world, the UK in particular, the power of the architect has been superseded by the power of the project manager. Yep. And uh, that's probably the future in North America. North America tends to lag sort of good practice by one generation. I'm allowed to say this, I'm Canadian, so don't get upset, everybody. Right? <laughs> but that's the reality. <laughs> It'll make me choke. <laughs> <laughs> Take us to your leader. It's an architect. <laughs> Yes, but the good news for Ashray in particular is that you came down on the engineering side of the line, right? Rather than the architectural side. Rather than sales? Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's talk about right. that. So before we get on to Ashray and existing buildings, you're a top 20 woman to watch in HVAC. You're a top 40 under 40. How are you doing all this? There's some good, you've either got a good PR person or you've got Ari Gold from Entourage <laughs> working for you. How is this all happening? <laughs> I think passion is contagious. So, which sounds yeah, kind of first, like awful. That. So like, yeah. there's that there's that interview vomit out of my mouth. <laughs> as like, 
<laughs> so, but seriously, like, the, as, like you guys know, with all the podcasts, content, like, how do you compete with everybody? How do you, like, you don't, you don't set out to do those things and, yeah. and lock down the awards. You just like, do you like what you do and people recognize it and don't forget it, you know, which is a weird effect. But <laughs> so I was, I was nominated by a guy I worked with in Pennsylvania and just like you keep in touch with certain people who've worked all over the country. So they make impressions on you, you make impressions on them. And I mean, the world of good workers is very small. We've got a lot of engineers and a lot of people in our industry. It's very you, diplomatic. I like that. <laughs> you, you latch on to the people that are good, right? <laughs> My God, like right there, Tracy. Very that small was 60, That was 60 seconds of some of the best advice anybody could get on any of our podcasts right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was a home run. You said that so well. Rather than saying most people are shite, <laughs> you went, yep. there is this absence of... <laughs> that was well done. Uh, well, commissioning brings out the diplomat in you, yeah. if nothing else. I was never either yeah. do that hammer down approach where you come in and this is the yeah. way we're going to do it. This is wrong. And I don't know. That's... So, Basically, you're killing them with competence. You're not going full Khaleesi Game of Thrones here. You're just killing them with competence and persistence, oh. right? And passion. I've never, I've never had been able to have any dragons, and I, I think it would <laughs> be met with laughter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't salute you for that, actually. So, any, I know it's of not you your approach. A, <laughs> I know. I'm a, I'm a dragon guy all the way, all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, know about you guys, but I'm, I'm guessing... Neither of you have ever used Eeyore as a mentor. So you would dump Eeyore <laughs> in a heartbeat, right? It's in the head from me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah womp, womp. <laughs> but, So look, I mean, you're head of a big team at MCOR, right? You're running the ESCO or existing building. What's the, what's your role there? It's director of commissioning. Right. So but it's how, over how big bucket is that? offices all over California from Sacramento down to San Diego, basically Southwest, Arizona, Nevada. So I'm in Las Vegas, 20 plus offices because we have a lot of little branches and things. So a lot of people, we have a thousand people in the company and our commissioning army is uh, made up of (laughs) a bunch of technicians. We work a lot with engineers, but it's a little like conglomeration of like, using what you got, right? Using the talent that's already there right. for the process. So we we identified that it was a bad business to come in and add another layer <laughs> to anything. But we want to maintain the oversight. So yeah, we have, have a pretty big crew of people I don't directly oversee, <laughs> which is, if you could do that. The Edifice Complex will continue in just a moment. Can you find the drawing and supporting documents you need in less than a minute? Now you can with Echo. It's simple. Just type what you're looking for and press enter. Echo knows your building. Speak with a drawing specialist today. Ask about our special offer of painless onboarding plus six months free with Echo. Visit podcast.thedsoffer.com. That's podcast.thedsoffer.com. And now, back to the show. So you're competing with Myers Malkus at Stantec, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, we don't run into each other. So we're a mechanical contractor. I should have said that to begin with. They're professional services. I actually don't know what they do on the service or the labor, like the installation side. But that's what we do. So Um, MCOR is like a turnkey contractor? Yeah, basically. Right. Okay. So I didn't know that. Actually. Yeah, and they're they're kind of great weirdos too in the industry because they my you know my bosses when we got together, they identified some quality control issues, things that we probably all complain about pretty regularly. Yeah. <laughs> some gaps in the process, some gaps in there's, there's too much overlap or not enough when you're coordinating different systems. So they saw that with chiller plants and automation people versus HVAC. Right people and putting all that together. So they're like, we need to insert this commissioning process somehow. We don't know how. So that's where our conversation started. Well, that separates them from the pack because there's not many contractors who would even have that thought, let alone follow. Yeah, totally. It's an uphill battle for sure. 
even internally to, to kind of grasp, wait, what are we doing now? <laughs> it's not, it took a little bit to get rolling and now, now we're kind of cruising. So it's nice. I can take time and do some podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So Tracy, so as a mechanical contractor and obviously you guys, I mean, a thousand employees, you're doing commissioning on your own projects, but do you also sub your work out, your services out? So existing buildings, right? No two projects are alike. So we've, yeah. We run the whole gamut. We work with third-party commissioning providers, so we do have third-party jobs on bigger renovations. We do have things where we just have clients that say, let's check this. Let's, you know, before we introduce this new automation system, let's see how the facility is running and let's do some testing. And, you know, we don't do dedicated. We don't want to be a commissioning provider, right? That's different. That's its own thing. That's I had right. before being on the contracting side. You don't ever want that to compete. So very, very strictly, it's kind of like engineers when they try to do commissioning. It's like, are you doing engineering or commissioning? It kind of discredits your main gig, right? Yeah, there's so, that conflict. Yeah, so we that's don't why wanna, I was asking the question. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to sub out like that. It's, I'm very strictly against that because short term it works. It's nice to get some yeah. big contracts. You know, you can lock down <laughs> half million dollar commissioning contract and that looks good on the books and you get a couple of those and you think, oh, if we just like stack these, but then you start to take away from your your tens of millions of dollars kind of jobs, hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a very good point, actually. Mm-hmm. So existing building commissioning, before we go into the ASHRAE stuff, let's just talk about that. So commissioning is not well understood at the best of times and existing building commissioning is even less understood. So I have multiple clients who think existing building commissioning is an energy survey. Yeah, it's tough to explain because it's existing buildings, right? They're just, yeah. <laughs> like, but they're just around. We have we have like the buildings to work with. They're just there all the time, right? So why isn't there as I'm sitting in a building, why am I not doing, you know, working on it or improving it or thinking about it? Do you think it's hard to sell it as a concept because I think you got to set a process to get people to understand it, right? But you go into most buildings and go, oh, we're doing an energy survey. Let's change the lights, you know. Let's change it to LEDs. Every energy retrofit, every commissioning existing building commissioning job, 80% of them end with a lighting retrofit or a chiller change. End. Mic drop. Moving on, right? <laughs> no one looks at how the control system, there's a whole process of like, what's it doing now? Can we tune the controls up? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of driving those conversations. So that's the hard part, right? I teach existing building commissioning. We put this standard together now. So standard is like super minimum. Like what, if you told me like what, how do you define existing building commissioning at minimum? What is that? So that's what the standard is now. We actually wrote it down, which is great. That's Um, good because that's what was necessary. Not easy to define. It's like at the absolute minimum, what can you still do and call it existing building commissioning? So the conversations usually start out with energy because energy has incentives behind it. Yes. You guys, I think one of your last podcasts, you were talking about how that's <laughs> not really a good driver in these parts. Like in, in North America, energy is cheap, relatively yeah. speaking. <laughs> so, you know, it only drives so much, but like there are incentives. So that's the first conversation you have is can we access any of that money? We don't have any of our own money to improve and renovate and fix things like we should. So you just change that conversation into, okay, well, you're probably going to need some capital improvements at some point. Like, wouldn't it be cheaper and smarter to see what's broken first, right? Let's actually get some data on everything. So it's changing the conversation and that's kind of like a sales pitch and that's exhausting, especially if you're very technical and you are an engineering type. If you can't have those conversations, you're already like, you can't start down the path. So you're never going to get to that project. So it's good yeah. to team up with the salesperson, kind of like that's yeah. how you kind of reinforce your own skills is that when you can't, when you're not an estimator, when you're not an energy engineer and you don't want to do those energy, yeah, yeah, yeah. team up with those guys, right? <laughs> yeah, frustration is never a way to start a sales process. <laughs> no. That no, and then no resources, and you're like, "What are we talking about here?" Okay, so you have no money. <laughs> yeah, don't you, you want to get to this incentive that you probably can't access, or probably isn't really good because everything's so cheap anyway? Sure. I had an experience yeah. a few uh, months ago where someone said, "Oh, we want to do existing building commission." I said, "Well, look, why don't we just look at how you're some trends that may come in? Look at how it's all operating. 
And maybe we could do some like um, set point resets based on outside air. You know, if it's 40 degrees outside, it doesn't need to be 21. It could be 26 and everyone be happy. Yeah. And he Good just moves. Went, Good moves. Well, I want a new chill. He <laughs> 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 wanted me to make it. Can, we, can we buy down these windows based on some control scheduling, yeah. like pre-programming? Yeah, I mean, you can do that. It's good. It's good to bundle for incentives, right? Now we sound like a yeah, insurance yeah. commercial. <laughs> And then it turned out there'd been someone like staring at the BMS, but not really playing solitaire for 20 years. And like, nothing had been done. The list is long, right? And then, so then, I mean, the kicker all the time is just get the conversation going in the right direction. It's like, okay, you want, you think you want energy, but you have all these, these issues and let's get everything straightened out. Like this is your chance. And really the barrier to entry is just have the conversation. Like it doesn't take that long. Yeah. Like like it's, it's like thousands of dollars or maybe tens of thousands if you've got a giant complex, but like, it's really easy, like, and really inexpensive to do the actual like investigation and get the data. And what that gives you is a report that you can hang your hat on. I'm not, if I thought something was wrong, I'm not suspecting anymore. Right. So I have something I could sell and pitch conclusively to somebody else and get the money for like, here's the things you have to fix. There's not, you know, not millions of dollars, but we can do like these improvements that might be a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. And it might add up to that over time, but you're doing it in a smarter, more palpable way. You need that baseline to refer to, right? Like this is where we yeah. were. We started. You need your starting point. Yeah. Am I good, better, best? You know, yeah. where am I on the chart? And we've actually, that's not a bad way to, when you're reporting, like get creative and put, you, you know, you think of like when you're buying software or when you're <laughs> buying anything on the internet, like what features does it have? Do I want good, better, best? Where am I in this whole process? What, what does my equipment look like? Do, can I settle for good and, and live off of that for a while? Is that, does that satisfy my needs? You know, so green, yellow, red, that's it. But usually you don't have a good picture of that until you measure stuff. So actually, like in certain areas like thermal comfort or, Certain things are very strong in their their guides are almost like standards bordering on code. Do you know what I mean? Super polished. Yeah, they're written for that. Yeah. Yeah. Load of cobwebs off it and no one knows about it. So where does if those are two ends of an extreme, where does the existing building commissioning standards fit in that? Are they well known? So first of all, it's it'll be standard two thirty. Right. So the commissioning process for existing buildings when he was looking that up. It's a culmination of a lot of guides and resources and professionals from all of the, not the, I can't remember how many certifications you said that we have for commissioning. 16. <laughs> last two years ago, I checked. It was 16 alone in the U.S. That's just the U.S. So wow. I, don't, I don't know if we have representation for all 16 because a, a lot of those things don't address, the, yeah. a lot of the outfits don't address existing buildings particularly. But as representative as as we can be, and I do I do feel that the, so it's it's special projects committee three hundred that runs this, which is a subset of yeah the original TC seven point nine, and then now I'm like ASHRAE numbers blah 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 yeah. blah right. So just sitting on the committee to give you perspective, I feel it's pretty pretty balanced. I know those the committees in ideally when you have a standards committee like that within ASHRAE you. They're meant to be balanced. You can't have too many. You can't have too many people from yeah. certain company or academics or yeah. private or whatever. So, like, ideally, that's what it's supposed to be. Doesn't always happen, as we know. If you've sat in some of these meetings, so it's not exact science. We can only, you know, I mean, <laughs> you can only do what you can do with the research yeah. that you have sometimes. Yeah. But this is pretty balanced. Initially, I was frustrated, just the same as we have in the industry is that you have a lot of people claiming they do existing buildings. They're like, just apply the new construction process. And you're like, wow, you've never been in an existing building. (laughs) 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 Like, okay, try to walk in an existing building the same way, especially like ones that really need a commissioning process in place and need to be meticulous, like mission critical, (laughs) where there's layers of security. Like, okay, walk into that place the same as you can in a new construction project. (laughs) Tell me, tell me how far you get, you know, you might get on the front lawn. That's it. And then there's just talking over all the complexities that come with the building in use and production facilities and all that. So I was frustrated that 
it seemed like there were a lot of new construction people that were in those first meetings and, and you sit and you're like, this guy's never done an existing building commissioning project. Oh <laughs> you know, it's like, what designers? What are you talking about? There's no designers <laughs> in an existing building. There were. You could argue that they might still be around, but that's not how this works. You know, you don't count on that. So it's diff- completely different. So I We've, think that that washed out of the first couple iterations and they're true solid experts in that now. So, I mean, if you take one example, like just take, we'll take, for example, the U.S. military, naval, whatever. I mean, all the divisions and all the locations around the world and how, I mean, Adam, this is your area. Yes. The lack of inconsistency in design, whatever the local practice was for architecture, engineering, electrical, mechanical. I mean, it's a smorgasbord. I mean, it's just everything. I used to do a lot of work with the Corps of Engineers on different bases around the empire. Classic American, right? And um, the Corps of Engineers are really good at standardizing things, right? And trying to keep delivery light wherever they go. But they would struggle because, one, they were forced to work in metric outside the U.S., which was interesting for me. It's hilarious as well. But they did it, right? They recognized that. Yeah. So in the commissioning specs, they used to have these little translation boxes. So they specify like NEB and ACG and TABB. And then they'd have these little explainers about the differences between their specs and their requirements. This is how it messed up our industry is, right? But when yeah. it comes to existing buildings, God knows how you deal with that. So the committee you sit on overlooks all the commissioning standards, right? Yes. Yeah, and you've that's been that. particularly involved in the existing building standard, right? Yeah, yep, just the yeah. So let's talk about that because what I was really glad to hear you say, what you've managed to do in this iteration of the standard is like lay out what's the basic, like what are the steps, what are the requirements? Because yeah. standards that don't list that out, that subsequently get specified, are horrendous. So at yeah. least if you've got this being specified, then there's something people can follow along to and bid. Am I right? Yeah, it's super dangerous. We get into conversations about how you kind of you kind of try to anticipate how it's, it's kind of like naming a baby, right? <laughs> Which I have no no experience in, but I just I always think of like how difficult that is to like how is this name going to be? You know what nicknames are going to evolve out of this? Is going to be <laughs> representative of this it little matters. person? It really does. So we have had discussions like that about how how will this go down in LA and how will this go down in the Midwest and New York and all over the rest of the world? How will this standard be abused and what we don't want to go over the top with it. We don't want to say what we should do ideally because that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You just can't do it. But we do want there to be this minimum version of this process that people do to make sure that there's some kind of quality control, measurement, some kind of a little bit of meticulousness to our existing building management process. So it was, there were a lot of conversations about local jurisdictions, how this is going to, how it's going to be handled and trying to come up with an average of all that is not easy because just cities versus countryside are completely different. Yeah. And there are a lot of local laws already that would start to cite this immediately off the presses. So it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, we should have those discussions. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Our listeners need to understand that we had Jerry Udelison on a couple of times. He was talking to, I think, Adam, there was over 600 Building programs green around building certification the green. programs in the world. Lead is one right. hundred. Yeah, right. Wow. And I know that several years ago, our ASHRAE fifty five, which stands in North America as a thermal comfort standard, yeah. there was an organization that wanted to introduce a new thermal comfort standard into the marketplace, and they were seeking funding actually from the Environmental Protection Agency to do this, and. We challenged them on it and said, you know, by introducing a new standard, you're going to create more confusion within the industry. And we looked at their draft version of their standard, and there was no way it was as comprehensive as the ASHRAE standard was. So what we ended up seeing over a period of time is if that particular segment that was catering to that new standard is it would degrade the messaging within the ASHRAE standard. Oh, yeah. And which is what we didn't want because we've worked so hard to get the level of knowledge of the 55 standard to where it is today, which is still minuscule. Like, it's not like it's used everywhere, yeah. right? The last thing we needed was quicksand underneath our feet, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's yeah, done. That's gone at all, yeah. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> yeah. 
Trace, I like I feel for your guys' committee and having been on Asher committees for a long, long time, the, the efforts yeah. that you put into that document is huge. And to get it to where it's been reviewed and, and gets published and now it's out there. It's not out there yet. To, we, have, we haven't seen how it's going to be received. Well, right. So and it's, that's, it's, it's through the public review process and onto publication. So that's where we're going. So we will see. How it yeah, goes. so you're going to be entering a field where there's other commissioning documents out there. Adam, yeah. and you're like yeah. the whole... Your brain, what's between your ears, Adam, is like the holding basket for all of those things. I don't know about that. It's more, it's more like a chaos monkey in my brain. <laughs> but so, this is really important for our listeners to understand. It sounds great. Oh, I'm on the ASHRAE committee and I get all the kudos to that. It's actually work. And ASHRAE is such a ASHRAE has outsized influence outside of North America. Like, I've been all, well, I've worked yeah. in 21 countries. There's ASHRAE documents specified everywhere. Right. Yeah. You know, so it actually does matter. You've got to strike that balance between not being dictatorial, but being enough to be right. You know, that is a really hard line to find. Yeah. Does the document, the new document coming out, does it, what sort of language does it use? Does it use shell or should or I hate should? So should and may, you may as well just put don't do it. Right. Does it yeah, use the word? It's actually, so off the top of my head, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> I've been out of the document. Like you on the head. <laughs> You're trying yeah. to think of like standard. So it's standard because it's a minimum. It should be yeah. should, right? Like this is like the, the minimum basis. If you're not sticking to the standard, you're not doing existing building commissioning, right? Yeah. That's that's the definition yeah. of it. And I mean, a lot the, of code. The least amount of, of what you can do. I mean, one of the things that we look at in terms of within Asher and the codes is if, it, if that standard is going to get adopted within the code, then it has to be in code language. Yes. Thou shall Thou do shall. whatever, right? Shall. Yeah. yeah, is yeah, that code so, then and shall? Yeah. yeah, right. So if you think about 62.1, which is in code, like yeah. it's in the National Building Code of Canada, and of course it's referenced in the U.S. and various codes, then that language is written differently than, say, you know, standards that aren't anticipated or there's no demand for them to be in codes at that particular yeah. point in time. So a lot of it's pressure how a standard should be written. And mm -hmm. that pressure comes from industry. Well, if someone says, well, the ASHRAE commissioning for existing building standard ought to be in code, then the committee will be challenged or charged with changing the language of the standard. Yeah. And that process, and I've sat in those processes on standards before, mm -hmm. and it is adversarial. Like, because <laughs> oh, yeah. now, now you know where it's going and going to be used. Yeah. Oh, and you know what absolutely. The, the monetary yeah. repercussions are, and you can see who can benefit from certain yeah. things, you know. And the so. legal liabilities that are associated with it, you know, when oh, you start yes. demanding people do stuff. But again, like for our listeners, this process of writing a standard, A, just to write a standard is huge. It takes a long, long time because it goes through a really rigorous process. And there's a reason for that because we're looking for a high quality document. Yeah. And when that document gets used, as Adam, as you pointed out, gets used around the world, it's got to be able to stand the tests, right? And that is the local demands on that information and how does it apply locally. Yeah. And then if you take that standard and you say, okay, well, now there's a demand from society or within industry that we ought to see that in code, that just elevates the requirements within that standard. And Azure have done a great job around the world for it. So have ISO and other organizations yeah. that write standards, right? But it is not an easy thing. And Azure does take a lot of heat for taking a long time to do stuff. But you think about a lot of our standards have been around like yeah. decades, you know? Yeah. And they get used, right? And they will be tested get, in court. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's such a long process. I can't even remember. So the last <laughs> time I edited something, like we, we went through public review comments, but the last time we edited the base document was more than six months ago. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's long, long, <laughs> it's been just through the like editing ringer since then. So this is why I'm always impressed with NFPA. They they update everything every five years, you know, and it's on the nose, just boom, boom. Yeah. They must have well, a these, tight team doing that. <laughs> A cool thing about this committee and the reason it's this has a special projects connotation is because yeah. it does have it changes so rapidly and yeah. it's still kind of newish that it's on continuous maintenance like boom 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 which is yeah. still like months or like to the half a year point but 
it's one of the few that are just like on like constantly changing like that. It's set up a little bit differently than some of the other standards and guidelines. And the other thing yeah. to understand about Ashray is, you know, there is a cultural aspect to it. It's, an, it's a North American culture, right? It's written around North America for North America. It just happens mm-hmm. to be exported all over the world, right? But, yeah. you know, in certain, let's call them frontier markets, if you put the word should in, well, I should be married to Beyonce and a billionaire, and I'm neither of them things, right? So, you know, <laughs> if you're in a frontier market, you've got the word should, may, might, unless it says you must do it or I will kidnap your children, it ain't getting done. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not yeah. getting done. <laughs> Good suggestion, right? Yeah. Well, before this, we didn't even have the suggestion. So that was, I mean, that's the main thing is why did we not have this a long time ago? Why was this not first, you know? And because it's a wild animal, right? It's fingerprint and it's daunting, you know, how, how do we put a standard together for every single building is not the same from one to the other, Um, you know? And then even if you designed cookie cutter, like say you had a solid design standard that was kept from building, 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 you put people in it and it's, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like a COVID sneeze. Like we can tell you wear masks and have good hygiene, but as soon as somebody (laughs) coughs or sneezes, we're like, well, that's in the wind. You know, you put two (laughs) people together and like, where is that? So there's there's an amount of uncertainty that really makes it complex and kind of scary. I think the yeah. ASHRAE energy audits, like audit, you know, one, two, three, the way they scaled that up and made that sort of generic mm-hmm. applicable, that was quite a nice line they, they threaded there, I thought. So I'm hoping the new standard can sort of like do that because it does apply rigor and a framework to do something. Yep. And thoughtful of business too. Like this is a, a business. This is something that people have to write contracts around. Yes. So if we're putting a standard to it, like how do we contract? How do we make it so that it's not this infinite, let me keep finding things in my building. Yeah. Now, yeah. Sometimes I wonder if actually I understand how important their documents are sometimes. You know what I mean? Everyone's sitting in a room yeah. coffee. I mean, yeah, dude, you realize this. We, like we do. We sit, you sit and you're like, how is this going to be abused? Where is this going to yeah. be broken? What can we fix up now? You know, yeah. we, we anticipate we're going to run into that anyway. Because you always, even with the minimums, you'll find people trying to undermine <laughs> that and discount that as much as possible. Like, yeah, they will like, like here's here's where we left too much place to interpret. Here's where we didn't leave enough. You know that kind of thing. So it's really yeah. stressful to sit and do that. And then the like the catch twenty two of that is that you have the people that are like technically the best at what they do on this committee, so they're not operating to minimums. So you kind of have to force yourself. To say, like, if I had to do this with <laughs> the least amount of things possible and the least scope possible, how do we put the outline of that together? And you're yeah, like, well, thing. Well, I would never do place. that. <laughs> I'm on an island. Everything has to be bought in by boat. What's the minimum here, right? That's great. What's the one book you take? What's yeah. the one thing? What's yeah. your one item? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if you think about it, and I've, I've used this before in, in our seminars, is that, in case you talked about, like, in terms of, cookie cutter designs and satirization we just take a step back into your conversation there what are audience if you're not familiar with the process or the, or the industry you know if you got on to a continuum right and you looked at and you straight said okay well today we're going to go into an existing building and it's going to represent this but the next building next door to it is not the same in that time frame but mm-hmm. if you keep going back in increments of five years and you go back to like 50 years ago and that's an existing building just like the building in 40 years and 30 years and 20 and 10 now you begin to understand the complexity because there's just so many different mechanical rooms and electrical rooms and architecture in one particular part on the continuum but when Mm -hmm. you start to travel on that continuum and you get to see just how difficult it is for somebody in the business of commissioning existing buildings it really explains just how important it is for someone to have that diversified knowledge. Anyways, I wanted to go back and draw the people's attention to how complex this is. Yeah. It's not about looking at a building. It's looking at a continuum of buildings over decades, <laughs> and there none of them are the same. Yeah, everything's unique. Great. Okay, so that... <laughs> <laughs> That's why nobody wants to do this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That is exactly, exactly what everybody feels looking like when you start down the path. 
And I want to be like, no, <laughs> it's not that. Difficult. Yeah. So, and what we would do I want to for- change that conversation if we can. So, because it's, it's you, you stated that perfectly of yeah. why, like, so complex, infinite, infinite, infinite things wrong. Well, how, where do I even start? You know, like, how do I eat the elephant? It's, it's exactly That's that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and there's a message for manufacturers, and I, and I just I cannot emphasize this enough, folks. For all <laughs> manufacturers <laughs> listening to this, you know, when I think about a manufacturer producing a, a variation of an existing product. So they make product A, but then some competitor comes up with A plus, right? So now the manufacturer goes, well, manu- you know, our competitor have done A plus. Well, now we got to do B plus, right? And so they create this inventory of, of a product that the reality was is that A was fine, <laughs> but the competitor yeah. made it A plus. So now everybody has to make A plus and then go to B and then so on and so forth, right? Oh my God, you're overwhelming and- <laughs> Yeah, it is overwhelming. So think, think about it. Can I center? Can I center this chi? <laughs> we, we need that Breathe. Yeah. Good luck, everybody. Yeah. You're an industry veteran who knows how to fix these things and do this. So it's kind of like um, this guy's going nuts about it and can see like the infinite like the infinity mark on these existing buildings. Like, how do I even start to write a contract around that? How do I scope if that goes on? Yeah. on, on, on. So <laughs> this is where we start to have the like, all right, you came to my office for a reason. What was that thing that finally set you off that you want to start like checking into these things now? And kind of the easiest way to think about it is like the doctor's office conversation is like, everything hurts. It's just so, this head to to toe is so complicated. That's why we have like so many subsets of doctors and things, you know? So that's why we have so many like, separate building professionals like do we we can't have hundreds of specialists in here because we don't have money money. so it's the same thing going to the doctor you don't have money walking in that office either but the thing that takes the existing building industry from being like totally overwhelming and like endless to like palpable and let's breathe and let's like actually take like let's be effective and take some action is talking about is starting like okay why did you call me in? What hurts, right? Yeah. So when you go to the doctor, they can scan your whole body. They can take your whole system apart and disassemble you and CAT scan. I can do that with the building too. Let's do blower door tests. Let's put data loggers on everything. You know what that costs? Millions and millions of dollars. And we don't need to do that, right? Yeah. So we can start to talk from like, where do we start? What's bothering you most? And then let's talk about the next thing that's bothering you. And you could actually budget around that stuff. You could budget around the time that it takes to investigate those things. We need a little bit of background to to size up, like, what are the tasks? What am I going to investigate? But it's really common sense, like, thinking through, like, if I had to check something (laughs) out, you know, if if my belly hurts, what's the belly? What do I need to check that out? What do I need to measure? What controls are already there? So it kind of like, okay, <laughs> that, seems, that seems a little bit more manageable now. And then the more you, you talk, I think you have to have about four conversations about your 16 building until you get to the heart of the matter and really like zone in on what the issues are, how to solve them. Here's the contract. Here's the PO. Go to solve it. Here's my answers, you know. So everybody can do it. It's a lot easier than that. <laughs> we, need, we need more existing building professionals. The Edifice Complex will continue in just a moment. Are you struggling with paperwork, spreadsheet overload, and project management? Then Blue Rhythm is the solution to help you. Streamline your commissioning and project management process. Go paperless, increase efficiency, and save money. Blue Rhythm is commissioning and project management software by practitioners for practitioners. Adapting to your workflows and processes and doing things your way. Blue Rhythm provides painless and fast onboarding by bringing your existing workflows, forms, checklists, and issues logs into Blue Rhythm for you. You can use their pre-built templates to customize your commissioning workflows. And Blue Rhythm can fully handle the transition from your current software platform. Blue Rhythm is secure, scalable, and reliable, backed by amazing support, and accessible 24-7 on any Windows, iOS, or Android device. Why are you still using paper and hard-to-control spreadsheets? Start your free Blue Rhythm account today at bluerhythm.com. 
Are we there yet? Yes, we are. The future promised real-time monitoring and control of our buildings, and now that is a reality with Sensor Suite. The only question you need to ask yourself is, how much energy and water is my building wasting each year? Sensor Suite will do the rest. With Sensor Suite solutions, any existing building and equipment can be retrofitted with smart sensors and controls that generate an industry-leading high-resolution data feed, unlocking a level of operational optimization and visibility across your entire building portfolio. This allows analysis and targeted interventions that turn old analog buildings into intelligent, energy-efficient grid resources allowing monitoring and control at your fingertips through Apple, Android, and Windows devices. Make a difference to the environment and start saving money today. Go to sensorsuite.com or call toll-free 1-855-773-6767. And now, back to the show. There's an inquiry, right? It's like the five whys. Well, why are you here? Well, my boss is going to fire me. Why is he going to fire you? Well, the building's too hot. Well, why is the building too hot? You know, you have to go down this ladder yeah. of whys. But the other thing that... It could really, be very therapeutic too, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that's really clear is client management and communication skills are key here, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Adam, someday we're going to do a podcast on that with the communication experts. You know, Tracy, I mean, you're infectious. Like, people will listen to you. And, we'll you know, see. <laughs> 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 but, you know, there are just some people that maybe have, well, we kind of talked about earlier, but they have the knowledge and they have the skills, but they're not able to create that connection with the client. Yes. You know, to take them down that path into the w- directions that they have. And if they're not leading, then who is? You know, and sometimes the clients, if you don't, if you lose that ability to lead with your confidence and your skills, then the client oftentimes can think that they're in, well, they are in charge, but they can maybe lead the dialogue in a way that it shouldn't go. And you just have to say, time out, hang on, you know, in many ways, that's when you do about forensics, right? Yeah. It's the same conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same conversations, right? Well, there is a forensic aspect to this, right? Oh yeah, that's oh, the yeah, skills, selling skills. And there's a forensics phase. There's like a, a tweaking phase, and then there's a project phase, possibly, right? If it's a big issue, yeah. you know, and you've got to be able to navigate your way through all that. It's a much harder thing to do, I think, than people realize what we're talking it's, about. It's easy when you are built with a knack for that and have yeah. something in your history yeah. that. I joke that I used to break things a lot, so I had to learn we had no money. (laughs) (laughs) So, like my first computer in college, like good thing I had computer engineering buddies. (laughs) (laughs) Not good, not good. Yeah, I mean, this is what's coming out for me is, so as a market opportunity, it's massive, right? If you take the whole environment, 99% of it's existing buildings and only 1% is the sexy new stuff, right? Yeah. Everyone focuses on that 1%. So there's a massive addressable market here. But it is not for the Cowboys, right? It's you've got to know what you're doing and you've got yeah. to run it and you've got to be quite focused and you've got to be forensically minded and you've got to be solutions oriented. It's quite the conundrum. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, it's, so the, yeah. the people that are built for thinking flowcharts, I think. I think yeah. you know, new construction, everything's in series, one, two, three, four. If I could follow steps down then that's fine. But this is more like if then. So if you're kind of that yeah. like coder kind of like logic-based thinking that kind of suits you to this kind of work. I'm just thinking of things that people ask me like, how did you get into this? Or how did you, how do I build somebody that is good at troubleshooting? You yeah. know, it's like, well, just be that already. Well, re- <laughs> you know, recruitment's another there. issue, right? How do you find people with these skill sets? They're unicorns. There are unicorns trotting around out there. You got to find them if you want to do this work, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's getting better as long as you understand that, as long as you understand that you're going to be climbing ladders and you're going to be in the boardroom and on the same day. You know, if you gravitate towards that, then good. You know, that's those are the people you should be looking for in these roles. Somebody that can talk to a CFO as well as facility manager, you know, like that's a very technical person and it's very like, you know, business person. So those are two different mentalities, and that's a lot of that's a lot of brain range and a lot of conversation range that you've got to have. But that in itself is its own thing. Like I like to do that. I like to yeah. you know jack of all <laughs> trades. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. 
Well, you got to think on your feet, that's for sure, you know, because you're stepping into into a battle zone and lots of things going on and you got to be able to get the noise pollution that's around you. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's huge. It's, you got to uncover yeah. the agendas, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're getting close to the end. I've got one more question on the new standard. So were there facilities managers as part of the, if I'm doing a commission standard for new construction, probably no mm-hmm. FM people there. Were there FM people involved in the production of this? I mean, everybody's backgrounds are kind of varied. They're mostly commissioning professionals. Right. though. Okay. So, and I think we advocate for the facility manager a lot. So I think we cover, we feel like we cover that ground. <laughs> But it's a matter of bringing those people to the table that, you know, in as ASHRAE members too. So we've got to be the membership we needs to bring that expertise forth. So it's difficult to find commissioning providers. It's difficult to find existing building commissioning yeah. providers. It's super difficult to have somebody sit at the table and have the expertise for or weigh in for the standard who's existing building, you know, facility, existing building commissioning <laughs> facility manager. We yeah. do though. So we have, it's a lot of university representation. So thinking about it now. So we yeah. do have, we do have facility engineers and facility managers at the table. There's only so, so many of us. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> of, of all backgrounds. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we do. Okay. So we're coming up on time. We normally finish with a couple of quick fire questions and then we, Ooh, uh, so no phone a friend. No lifeline. <laughs> you want to go first, Robert? Oh, he didn't say it was going to be a test. <laughs> go ahead. You want to go first one. or should I, Robert? So, oh, yeah. So, um, as we kind of alluded to at the beginning of the introduction, I'm actually on site. We're dealing with a flood-damaged building here. So, Tracy, <laughs> existing buildings, right? This building has to be part of it demolished and then uh, rebuilt. If you get involved in existing buildings that go through damage and there's a commissioning recommissioning process where do you start tell me because i have to get after this i'm going out the door i'm going to be entering the you've the got to see though with water immediately if you could see the damage you've got to remove that part of it yeah. so like any anything mildewy anything that's got water stains on it you can only you can only abate so much and as long as you got all your hard surfaces can be cleaned right bleach goes a long way with that stuff and we i did a lot of work with flood protection back in the Northeast. So yeah, water, you got to remove the wet parts. Yeah. 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 Anything, anything, you know, fibrous out, chuck it, anything hard, non-porous, clean it. And then go. But we've got, uh, we've got dehumidifiers in here now. We've got UV lights in here now. And yeah, we've got crews are going to be removing. So with that stuff, anything that has, mildewy any kind of damage on it it should come off and if yeah. you know it can dry up even with the uv i mean you've seen yeah. like the bio gunk fall off a coil if it doesn't come off you got to get rid of it so yeah no way around it so i hope your so, isn't too so if large. you see me posting pictures from the hospital it's because my uh mask system failed and i inhaled a bunch of stuff and i reacted and yeah you I'll just tell you about it later. Hammer and a checkbook is all you need. Hammer it all out. <laughs> <and write a laughs> check. There you go. Wisdom on mold remediation or water remediation. Yeah. Tracy Dropper. Yeah. Let us Thank know you. Out. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> okay. So, Tracy, I have so many questions I'd like to ask for the last one. But my question is this. What advice would you give to a young female engineering graduate coming into the existing building space? Find a good mentor. I had one that, which is good advice for anybody, male or female, but find a a good, strong female kind of rerouted me in college. I had a lot of people doubting my skill set, I guess, coming out of high school. (laughs) (laughs) So when I got to college and was sitting in going through my HVAC courses and just answering bonus questions the one day, we had these technical bonus questions on our uh, fundamentals of HVAC course and answered a question about, I think, condensation <laughs> for some reason. So like two-point bonus question, condensation, some kind of psychrometric chart stuff and uh, a couple of those. And she's like, meet me in the office. So I went from like thinking I was deficient coming out of high school to getting thrown into like, PhD research land, right. which is really cool. So somebody that can see see that in you, gravitate towards that because there's 
there's it's just everybody. It's it's tough to be green and new and be an engineer, no matter what your gender. <laughs> yeah. And to be to be female. I mean, you always unfortunately like I look younger than I am, which is great in my personal life. Not so great for no, you know, salary discussions and you know, <laughs> expertise. So, and then flaunt the resources because the first thing I teach national course yeah. for commissioning, and the first thing I know people are thinking when they're looking at me is like, "What the heck are you going to teach me?" But I'm there, right? I'm your instructor. <laughs> Pay attention. So, how do you, you know, somebody that was, you know, when I started teaching when I had maybe like 10 years in the field. So what are you going to teach me? You, you know nothing. And it's about making the connections to have the resources. I still don't know. <laughs> you, you never know everything. I mean, yeah. Robert was just going nuts. He went into the rabbit hole of types of manufacturing. <laughs> on, on the half of year, things come differently <laughs> off the assembly line. How could you be an expert in that? Because I have friends that now, you know, that work in with those manufacturers. And I could say like, how many things came off the assembly line this year and how different were they and how many models were there? <laughs> you know, so use, use those resources and don't be afraid to flaunt that. Like, I don't know yeah. everything, but I come wielding yeah. thousands of people behind me. But these, yep. are my, these are my resources. These are my go-to, my lifelines. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes me good is not knowing anything really is just making sure that I have the place to go to that has the, the end-all be-all answer for you or yeah. the people that can figure it out. You're an expert on experts. <laughs> yeah, this is the best way to go, isn't yeah. it? You're yeah. Resources. <laughs> <laughs> just to wrap up then, another accolade that we haven't really spoken about is you teach you teach a course. Just tell us quickly about that. Oh, yeah. So we have the Building Commissioning Association has a four-day course. They do two days on new commissioning and two days on existing buildings. And right. it's been, been tough over COVID because it's like this where you're just yeah. virtual. And the benefit of that is being in person, telling those stories. Yeah. Uh, very Socratic. Like just you, you learn from the cases, right? So you can go through, like, tell me another story, tell me another story. And those people, I tell them, take those stories and make them your own now. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it is it's a long two-day session and we just, we go through everything, existing buildings. Is that a pre-certification exam course or just a general course? Well, none of them are because I think, yeah. to, so if you have an ANSI certification, the people that teach there's only certain people that can put the questions together and see the actual yeah. test so you can't like those teachers don't technically have the answers however do you have the certification and do remember some of the testing and, and yeah. can i mean the idea is to test as a commissioning provider right so yeah. we make sure that you're refreshed as here's all the things you should know to be best in class commissioning provider yeah it certainly doesn't hurt doing the course right if you want to become a certified no it's a good refresher <laughs> It's kind of funny though, because commissioning provide like we're um, write your answer out. We're not A B C D multiple yeah. choice question kind of people. So we do. <laughs> it's kind of funny to see people go through the ringer on take the test multiple times, and you tell them like it had probably has nothing to do with your job. Uh, <laughs> you just bad test taker and the standardized testing. So it's kind of it's, just it's seeing people write out long form on paper would be hilarious. Quite frankly. <laughs> You don't yeah. see that very often, do you? Yeah, so there's... <laughs> and then just to uh, finish off then, so what is the name of the new standard and when does it come out? New standard is uh, ASHRAE Standard 230 uh, is the standard commissioning for existing buildings. And it is in publication now. So typically when things have been voted on and have gone through their public review sessions, which you have, so we've, we've, the content has been out there. It's been technically available and reviewed by anybody who wanted to review it. And now it's actual in the printing process. So hopefully for the winter meeting in Atlanta in January, February, early February, right? End of January. So yep. Q4 this year-ish. I mean, that's as precise as you can be when there's a big organization like Ashray. I know, like I know. It's so it's such a polished process, and yeah. just you know, I ask questions being on the committee, like, "When will we have this?" And it's kind of like, "Here's the timeline. Here's the period of time when it will be released." But that's all right. That's good. I mean, the end is in sight, right? We know it's coming out probably. Yeah, before, yeah. and it's yeah, so I think cool. The industry needs it. It's an it's an it's going to be an important one. I think yeah. the industry really does need it. So. 
congratulations to you, Tracy, and the crew on the committee. And yeah, it's a big, big job to get it done and get it published is a big is a big thing. So well done. Yeah. 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 Shout out, Ashley yeah. 30 yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, look, thank you very much right. for coming on. It has been awesome to finally meet you on Zoom and talk about what you're up to. It's awesome. It's a great example for everyone. Yeah, thanks, guys. Nice talking. All right. Thanks, Tracy. That was great having uh, Tracy on, Adam. Well done on coordinating that one. And such a great story. And I love her passion and her enthusiasm. And she really gave a a one-on-one lesson on making those connections with clients in a technical world. And I, for those that are doing the listening on the follow-up on this podcast, go back and listen to that one minute, that 60 seconds of wisdom that comes from somebody that's been in the trenches, very much an engineer's engineer, but she obviously understands that connection with the clients and how to communicate and get things done. And that is everything, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can see, having spoken to her for an hour, I mean, I've been aware of her through the industry because she's a very high profile person in the industry. She'd never say that herself, but she is. It's well-deserved. I can see after this, just this one hour discussion with her why she is successful, right? Because yeah. she's, in acting, they call it the triple threat. They can sing, they can dance, they can act. Well, she's like the triple threat, right? She can absolutely do in. She can do the client management. You know, she can do yeah. everything. She's got that yeah. whole thing going on. Which, if you're an employer, that to find that in some one person is a really unusual skill stack, right? So, yeah, you know, it's well deserved. I think her success, and I think she's young, relatively, right, compared to you and I. Anyway, everyone's young, but yeah, you know, <laughs> she's got yeah. a long way to go. I think. Yeah. And I just, you know, because I got to get back on the job site here, yeah. but my final words on this particular interview is I cannot emphasize this enough, Adam, and we've talked about this before. Men particularly have to get over this gender thing, looking oh, at yeah. when you're talking to a professional, it's not about gender. And I just, it drives me absolutely insane when people make these prejudgments about someone's capabilities or skills. I don't care whether you're women, if you're men, if you've got the right attitude, you've got passion, you've got enthusiasm, you're going to work hard, you're going to put your education, your reputation on the line, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to learn from that, you're going to move on and you're going to share and charge for that. I don't give a rat's ass who you are. And so Tracy is just a great example, not of a woman in the industry, although she is, but just as a great person in the industry, right? So that's what people need to see. Yeah, if I was a woman in the show, I wouldn't like that tag because, you know, but she's just pushed through all that and competence beats everything, right? Be safe, yeah. they can't ignore you. There's a great yeah. example there, right? I should probably finish it there. That was a mic drop moment. Yeah. Tracy is so good, you can't ignore her, right? Yeah, mic exactly. Drop, done. <laughs> Out. <laughs> awesome. Okay, man. I'll see you on the next one. All right, Adam. Hey, cheers, man. See ya. You've been listening to the Edifice Complex podcast with Adam Muggleton and Robert Bean. To access show notes for this episode, visit edificecomplexpodcast.com. Also, if you would like Robert or Adam to speak, teach, or consult on your project or business, please email admin at edificecomplexpodcast.com. See you next time.